أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وفرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان وبعد Today by Allah Ta'ala's fadl we've reached the 22nd night of Ramadan Allahumma inna ka'foon tuhibbul afwa fa'fu anna Inshallah whoever is able to put in any amount of himma and courage and mujahada and struggle against themselves for their own betterment and for the betterment of the Ummah of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam now's the time for your prayers and now's the time for your du'as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala change all of our destiny for the better in this world and the hereafter Today we read about Sultan Ibrahim bin Adham bin Mansur Rahimahullah Ta'ala Who was the link in the Blessed and Mubarak chain in Silsila After uh, the Shaykh Fudayl bin Iyad Rahimahullah Ta'ala Who we talked about yesterday His ancestry through the medium of five predecessors Links up with Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu Although some people claim that he was a Sayyid and a Sharif from the line of Sayyidina Hussain, may Allah Ta'ala be pleased with him. He was born in the city of Balkh, uh, which is in modern-day Afghanistan, a great city of Central Asia, a center of learning and culture, uh, which was destroyed by the Mongols. It, uh, obviously, the city still exists and it was built again, but uh, it never re- regained its former glory uh, bef- that it had from before the, de- the, the destruction and the sack at the hands of the Mongols. May Allah ta'ala have mercy on those who uh, perished in that difficulty. Um, Balkh was, believe it or not, at one time a great center of the Hanbali Madhab, uh, uh, as was the, the Central Asian lands of what are now Afghanistan. And uh, there's a really long and interesting and beautiful uh, history uh, in those places. Allah ta'ala, inshallah. Give us all the tawfiq to be acquainted with, with uh, his awliya and with our spiritual and our intellectual tradition. His kunya or honorific title was Abu Ishaq. The Shaykh Fudayl bin Iyad rahimahullah ta'ala conferred to him the mantle of his successorship. Besides being the Khalifa of Khaja Fudayl, he was also the Khalifa of Khaja Imran bin Musa. Uh, Khaja al-Imam Muhammad al-Baqir who we spoke about in the entry regarding the Imams of Tasawwuf from the Ahlul Bayt of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Khaja Sheikh Mansur Sulami and Khaja Uwais al-Qarni rahimahullah ta'ala that last successorship having been granted through supernatural means and uh, uh, this is something that uh, you know this is an ummah of Isnad uh, of, of, of connection and of having unbroken chains. Uh, but amongst the Sufiya, there is uh, this idea that uh, uh, that a person has connection with others through the spiritual realm. And it's not really a Sufi idea. In fact, it's an idea of Islam. And uh, that connection is called Uwaisi. Obviously, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had connection with the other anbiya alayhi salam. Uh, he met them um, uh, when he was in the physical state and they were the spiritual state. Uh, and also, uh, 
perhaps also in the dream state, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But one may claim that well, that was the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. It, it wasn't a, an average person from the ummah. But uh, again, we also see uh, um, that the successor and tabi'i, Uwais al-Qarni rahimahullah ta'ala, who inshallah one day we can talk about him. He also uh, had communion with the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam through the medium of dreams and through the medium of supernatural means. And he heard of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and believed in Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and would speak to him through uh, uh, the supernatural medium. And he asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam for permission to make hijrah uh, to him. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he told him that the only thing that holds me back is I have an aged mother and there's nobody to take care of her. And uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he, he, he told him, stay, take care of your mother, don't come to me. And like that, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi passed from this world and Sayyidina Uwais rahimahullah was never able to see him, uh, was never able to see him physically. And uh, uh, he, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi uh, gave, left a wasiyah to Sayyidina Umar and Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhuma that after I leave, the people from Qaran will come to you uh, in Hajj and when they do, uh, send my salams to a person amongst them named Uwais whose piety will be so great that Allah ta'ala will at his hands uh, 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 make shafa'ah and intercession and accepted intercession uh, uh, for uh, such a great number of people on the Day of Judgment, that, that number more than the sheep of, uh, of the tribe of Kinda, uh, which was a, an expression of a large number. And uh, so what happened was, during the reign of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, those people from Qaran, they came to, um, they came to Hajj, and, uh, and uh, 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 they were sought out by Sayyidina Umar and Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhuma, and... Uh, uh, and they, they delivered the salams of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and uh, uh, Sayyidina Uwais, uh, his secret uh, state uh, with Rasulullah alaihi wasallam and his maqam was exposed, and so people started to crowd him, and so he disappeared. He left, and he was not to be seen again until uh, uh, the Waqat al Jamal, the Battle of the Camel, where he showed up uh, in order to. Uh, uh, take the side of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu on that day. Um, so this is something that does happen. And in the, in the discourse of the Sufis, when a person has uh, some sort of supernatural communion with, some, with another soul uh, through the spirit world, through the spirit medium, or through supernatural medium, as a genus, this type of connection is referred to as a ta'alluq uwaisi, as an uwaisi connection. And not necessarily meaning that it has to be directly with Sayyidina Uwais al-Qarni rahimahullah ta'ala uh, himself. Rather, it is the type of connection like Sayyidina Uwais al-Qarni had with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa And uh, in this case, um, uh, Hazrat Shaykh Zakaria ascribes to uh, Ibrahim bin Adham rahimahullah uh, a Uwaisi connection to Uwais al-Qarni uh, himself. Uh, uh, may Allah ta'ala have mercy on both of them and sanctify their, their spirits. But these things happen. The problem with the people who make claims about this UAC type connection is that it's completely unverifiable. So somebody may be really that pious, 
or somebody may be, uh, you know, cooking an imaginary biryani in his mind uh, or in the minds of uh, uh, unsuspecting people. And that's why having a, you know, having an ijazah and a chain of narration that connects through the living is so important because um, Ibrahim bin Adham is not someone who just woke up in the morning and said, uh, uh, said that, hey, uh, you know, I have the, the, the khilafah and the successorship from Uwais al-Qarni, so you guys just believe me. Rather, the outward chain that's uh, 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 connected and unbroken to Rasulullah wasallam through uh, uh, the Shaykh Fudayl bin Iyab, uh, which is through the Shaykh Abdul Wahid bin Zayd, which is through the Shaykh uh, Al-Hasan al-Basri, which is through Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu, to the Messenger of Allah wasallam. That chain is in place, and that's the one that confers the legitimacy uh, on, uh, on the Shaykh. And then afterward, because that chain is there and it's, uh, uh, you know, it checks out, then one can also lend a little bit of belief to the fact that these people uh, had these other experiences as well. But we don't base anything only on those other experiences. So you have people, for example, they'll, you know, I mean, in the in the ulum of the zahir, in the outward sciences, they'll claim that they narrate uh, hadith from jinns or, or you know stuff like that or through some sort of supernatural uh, means and uh, we don't accept those things as um, as as proof that the hadith is sahih we outwardly will not accept them but if someone makes a claim like that someone who's known to be truthful and somebody who uh, um, has the outwardly verifiable chain already in place, and they make a claim like that on top of it, uh, unless we have a reason to suspect that such people are liars, it's okay to uh, uh, accept that perhaps this claim may be true. And it's like it's like other things. It's like the claims of people's other miracles or mukashafat or you know uh, uh, their uh, you know dreams about the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam or whatever, um, which is that you don't have to accept every single instance of someone saying something like that to you. But in general, uh, uh, it is part of our aqidah that miracles do happen and that these things do happen. Uh, and so it is possible uh, until and unless you find out that the person is a liar or whatnot. But at any rate, these things don't alter the deen in any way, shape or form. The outwardly transmitted sharia is, uh, uh, is not transmutable and uh, it is solid. So whoever's claim comes and it buttresses and supports the claim of the outward law and sharia, that person is uh, somebody who we, you know, that has the right that they should be believed uh, or, or should be believed. And the person whose claims uh, somehow are at odds or loggerheads with the outward sharia, even if they come with an outwardly verifiable chain of narration uh, for what they do or what they say, um, we have grounds and reason to suspect them, if not dismiss their claims outright. Ibrahim bin Adham rahimahullah ta'ala it was his regular practice to remain hungry for four to five days at a time like uh, the practice of his sheikh uh, again these are all things that are like kids don't try them at home um, these are people who built up capacities to perform uh, very very difficult mujahadat and, and very difficult struggles against their nufus over time and they had great aid in doing what they did uh, if someone tries to do these types of things without the direction of their shaykh and without having to built up their capacities, they will end up harming themselves in a way which will be sinful and it will put them in a position of sin at Yom al and it will put their nafs into so much duress that it will cause them to 
have a bad opinion of Allah Ta'ala when they have to deal with an amount of pain that they're not ready to deal with uh, or, or it may even cause them to leave Islam. So these are definitely kids don't try that, this at home type things. In the beginning, he was the ruler of Balkh. First he was adopted as a son by the ruler of Balkh and then afterward he became the ruler himself. Allah's special grace was on him, hence the circumstances for adopting the path of renunciation uh, of the world went on unfolding for uh, Shaykh Ibrahim bin Adham. Once while his court was in full session, a man of considerable reverence, awe and dignity entered. The awe-inspiring countenance of the man was so overwhelming that no one had the courage to question his identity. When he was close to the throne, uh, the ruler asked, Who are you? And he replied, A traveler searching for an inn. The ruler said, This is not an inn, this is my palace. The traveler said, Who was here before you? The king says, The ruler says, The king before me. The traveler says, Before him. Uh, the ruler says, His father. But never was this an inn. The traveler said, All are gone. That means that this is nothing more than an inn, a, 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 like a hotel. This conversation had a profound effect on the king who now developed a yearning for the search for Allah Ta'ala. Once while sleeping at night, he heard footsteps on the roof of the palace when he asked, Who is there? A voice replied, I am searching for my camel. The ruler asked, Who could be more ignorant than you searching for the camel on a palace roof? The person replied, or the voice replied, The person who searches for Allah while sitting on a royal throne is more ignorant. Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala forgive us and give us what we need from this world, what we need for the day of judgment, which will be a day of ahwal and afat and calamities and tragedies. He asked, who can be more ignorant than the man searching for his lost camel on the roof? And the voice replied, the person who is searching for Allah Ta'ala in the royal throne. Which means what? And someone might say, well, okay, I'm not a king of anything, so alhamdulillah, it doesn't apply to me. It double and triple applies to us. We live in types of comfort and types of laziness that even the kings in the past uh, did not know. That we have running water in our houses and we sit watching TV and checking stuff for Allah, Allah forgive us all, checking uh, social media and uh, checking you know, uh, YouTube videos and this and that the whole day. And uh, the fact of the matter is, is that you won't find Allah Ta'ala in comfort and in pleasure. And I, I want to make a little side note, whoever's listening to these majalis, uh, uh, you know, you might, you know, the thought might rightfully cross your mind that, yo man, this dude is really judgmental. He's like hyper-judgmental about every, everyone. I hate religious people because they're so judgmental. Why does he have to be judgmental all the time about everybody? Look, when I say things like this about like, you know, uh, deprecating the comfort that we live in and deprecating uh, you know this obsession about social media anyone who's going to like check my twitter account knows that uh, you know I'm up there with everybody else and uh, it's from the hikmah of our elders may Allah ta'ala have mercy on them they're people of taqwa and people of inward and outward purity uh, Allah ta'ala give us at least if nothing else from the the fact that we love them give us uh, some chance on the day of judgment um Hazrat Tanwi rahimullah ta'ala uh, it was his wasiya and his bequest to the ulama and to the people of uh, the people of knowledge and the students of knowledge that when they go and preach the deen in front of other people if they see any sort of weakness in themselves that they should uh, then preach about it again and again and again 
The idea is if the person preaches such with sincerity that eventually a sort of shame will overtake them uh, and it will cause them to, out of nothing else, just because of their shame, uh, uh, rectify themselves. And the condition is only if the person has iman. Uh, Allah Ta'ala, His Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, He said from the first teachings of Nubu'a or of prophethood uh, are that if you don't have any shame, then say whatever you want, do whatever you want. The idea is that if there's no haya and there's no shame left in you, um, that, that's a sign that iman has completely abandoned you. Uh, may Allah Ta'ala be our protection. So we're all in this together. Uh, don't feel like I'm, you know, uh, judging other people. Trust me, I'm in this boat with everybody else. And, uh, uh, you know, this entire, uh, you know, series um, of talks, you know, people ask, where is the, the talk happening? You know, where is the majlis happening? Which masjid is it in? Oh my God, you talk, you say the S word, all the Sufism all the time, and which masjid tolerates it? The fact of the matter is there's no masjid I know of that, that's going to give an open, uh, an open invite for this, or even for basic matters of the deen without getting up on you and, you know, throwing you out or giving you a hard time. And unfortunately, that's, a, that's, that's just a fact that I've had the bitter experience of. Uh, eating the lash of again and again. The fact of the matter is, is most of the time, uh, um, almost all the time, I sit and record these things uh, in a room alone in my house. Uh, the only reason, the only reason I wanted to share um, this material in this way was that if we waited for a khanqah to open, then I would have waited my whole life and it never would have opened, or the possibilities it never would have opened. Uh, rather, I myself feared that these things that, that I heard from my mashayikh and from my elders, as time goes on, it's now been 10 years since I've come back from madrasa, um, which was a very honorable and very blessed experience, Mubarak experience, literally from out of this world. It's been 10 years now, and I'm starting to forget all of these things. I'm starting to forget the things that I was told by my mashayikh and forget the things that I was told by my elders and the experiences that I had with them. And I thought this is something that if, you know, if we have a chance, let's just share it however we share it. And if someone benefits, they benefit. And once it's gone, it's gone. Uh, so there is no pretense or looking down on anybody. Rather, we're all, we're all in the struggle together. But I just submit humbly for everybody's consideration following, which is that uh, we know what the path to success is and we know what the path to achieving what our forefathers achieved. Uh, we know as an ummah, collectively this knowledge is alive in the ummah, even though most individuals don't know, even very well-intentioned people, and even people who have very significant commitments to Islam don't know, but as an ummah, collectively this knowledge is still alive amongst uh, the ummah of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And by pretending that uh, not doing those things that you need to do in order to be successful will make you successful doesn't help at all. So it's not judgmentalism on other people. It's just the idea that, look, we're reading the tabaqat from different books of these mashayikh again and again and again. And a constant theme is what? Is that you are not going to live comfortably and achieve the spiritual rank with Allah Ta'ala. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that, 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 that sometimes Allah Ta'ala will even use a, a profligate sinner in order to serve this deen. Uh, and uh, Mufti Palanpuri, the, the Shaykh al-Hadith of Deoban, Allah Ta'ala, give him a long life and protect him from uh, anything that, 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 that disturbs him or, or gives him uh, difficulty in this world or in the hereafter. 
he wrote something which undoubtedly, uh, you know, thousands of mashayikh may have wrote before him. That what's the point of you being the president of the masjid, fundraising for the masjid, the president of MSA, president of this organization, board member, committee member, uh, uh, you know, uh, elected this, elected that, you know, all of this political action, social justice, all of these things. What is the point of you being the vehicle for ex- for for, ex- exp- for for expediting and 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 affecting all of this good change in the world? Such change, perhaps a million people will enter into Islam because of you, and all of them will be in Jannah forever, and you yourself are burning in the fire. What's the point of that? Where's the hikmah in that? That's not what the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ is, and that's not what the commandment of Allah Ta'ala is. Allah Ta'ala says what? He says, ahlikum naran. He says, Forget, protect yourself and protect your, your families from some, uh, such a fire, the fuel of which is men and stones. And so the idea is that by, by playing around and, 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 and kind of uh, dancing around and skirting and circumventing the fact that, that there are certain things that are known, um, through the collective experience of the ummah and the collective knowledge of the ummah that are necessities toward some sort of spiritual achievement for the self, uh, much less for the rest of the people, by circumventing them or pretending they don't exist, we're not doing ourselves a favor, nor are we doing anyone else a favor. And if it makes a person feel better not to have to hear the truth, then remember Rasulullah wasallam came with a lot of truth and he told a lot of truth to a lot of people and a lot of people did not feel good about it. So this is not what this path is all about. So what happened is Ibrahim bin Adham, rahimahullah ta'ala, he is himself uh, sitting on the throne of Balkh, and uh, he, he hears a person looking for a camel on the roof, and the person says, I lost my camel. And he says, what kind of a fool looks for a camel on the roof? And uh, 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 how, how, how stupid is it to look for a camel on the roof? And the voice says to him, it's even dumber to look for uh, Allah ta'ala in the comfort of a royal palace. And so if you're looking for Allah ta'ala, and you're sitting in comfort right now, uh, know that that uh, uh, you know something something's going on here that you're not putting two and two together. You're not connecting the dots. Leave your home. Leave your home. I'm not saying give up your money or uh, uh, give up your house or give up your job or give up your degrees or any of those things. One day those things will come in great service to you spiritually and they will come in great service to Islam as well. Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he had his Medina and the the Khulafa Rashidun they rule the world. Right? Those things will be put into the service of Islam, but only after your own rectification, after my own rectification. Leave your home, go out in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Go to visit the mashayikh, go to sit in the khanqahs and fast and make the dhikr even though you're sleepy, even though it's cold, even though it's hot, even though you're sick, even though you don't get the food you want to eat, even though you're not able to sleep on the, the hard woven straw mats, even though you're in a foreign country, even though the, the, the other uh, uh, people are treating you badly, even though the sheikh is treating you badly, even though all of these things are happening, when your nafs is getting, getting pressed like that, in a, in, a, in a measured way, uh, and receiving its training, it's like a sword that's put into the, into the, into the forge, and its iron is glowing red, and it's being struck again and again by the, the hammer of the blacksmith, and then when it's plunged into the water and cooled, it will be forged, and it will be much more powerful than it was before. Before, if it was taken into battle, it would have bent, bent or br- broken. Now when it's taken into battle, it will break other swords. But until you have that, that, that process happening to you, 
sitting in, 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 in your home, sitting in comfort and thinking you're going to learn the deen from conferences or from YouTube channels or from home courses or from, uh, uh, you know, uh, reading books. A book will never tell you, point to you your, your own deficiency. A book will never tell you something that will hurt your nafs. A book will never, uh, you know, do these things to you. And those are the things that are necessary in order to what? In order to be from the Ahlullah. Why do you think Ibrahim bin Adham has a maqam, uh, Fudayl bin Ayyab has a maqam, uh, uh, in the beginning of their suluk that none of us will, will, will attain at the end of it. Why is it that they're putting their own nufus through so much hardship, uh, not eating five days at a time and things like that, and going through all the hardships that, that are described? Why, why is it that they're doing that? Right? Are they masochistic people who are like weirdos who uh, love pain? And uh, Wallahi, they're more human than you and I. Their nufus were more adjusted than you and I. They loved beauty more than you and I love beauty. And they, they felt hurt from pain more than you and I do because we live in this weird, numbed out society where we were just numb to everything. We don't feel human feelings anymore except for very few people who Allah Ta'ala has some sort of special khas rahma on. Why were they doing these things? They were doing these things, why? Because this was a necessary step in order for you to build the capacity to know Allah Ta'ala and love Allah Ta'ala and to be loved by Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala as well. And uh, the person who doesn't understand that and thinks that they're going to just get, you know, take a, a weekend course or take like a, you know, one month like part-time or one, you know, one month full-time course and then give khutbahs and now I'm going to Jannah, I'm doing a big service to Islam. Um, that's, not, that's not the way these things worked ever and it's still not the way it's going to work and it's not the way it's going to work in the future. You won't find a change in the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you sure as heck won't find a change in the sunnah of His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa Hazrat Shaykh Zakaria rahimullah ta'ala continues, the arrow of divine love pierced Ibrahim bin Adham's heart. All of a sudden he renounced the throne and set out into the wilderness. He took up residence on a mountain. On Thursdays he would descend from the mountain, gather firewood and sell it. Whatever he acquired from the sale of the wood, half would be spent in the path of Allah ta'ala and the other half would be used to buy food for the following seven days. Uh, and imagine that your one, wor- one day's worth of day laboring in the old days is not going to buy you like, it's not going to buy you food that's like super tasty or wonderful. It's going to buy you barely enough to get by. After spending a considerable amount of time in the wilderness, he, was, he felt the divine call to go to Makkah Mukarramah, where he entered into the spiritual companionship and suhbah of Khaja Fudayl bin Iyad Qaddasallahu Sirrahu. As a result, Khaja Ibrahim bin Adham gained spiritual distinction and spiritual heights. Uh, the Sheikh Junaid Baghdadi, rahimahullah ta'ala, observed, the key to spiritual knowledge which is bestowed to the awliya is Ibrahim. He, he, he said what? He said the key to spiritual knowledge which is bestowed to Allah's friends is Ibrahim bin Adham. After he abandoned the throne, the leaders and rulers of Balkh repeatedly appealed to him to return. However, Khaja Ibrahim bin Adham never again accepted the throne. Once along the river bank, Khaja Ibrahim was sewing his tattered shawl. He was doing what? He was sewing his tattered shawl. By the way, if your clothing rips, the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ is that you take a piece of cloth and you sew a patch. You don't throw it away. It's that what? That you take a, 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 a piece of cloth and sew a patch over where it's ripped. And uh, there's no shame in this. There's a great honor in it. It said that Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu had hey, a cloak which had more than 40 patches in it. And someone says, well, I don't want to look ghetto or hood in front of other people. 
two things. One is that nobody who resembles Rasulullah inwardly or outwardly uh, is anything except for beautiful. And if you don't believe that, you have a aqidah problem. One might say, okay, fine, other people I have to deal with them and, you know, it's fine, but, you know, if other people all, you know, shun me and I can't go to work anymore, then what am I supposed to do? Okay, it's, it's Allah, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he didn't make these things wajib uh, or fard uh, out of fear for difficulty on his ummah like many other things. However, I would submit to you for your consideration that if you take a patch that's from the same cloth that the, the piece of clothing that's ripped is from, oftentimes from outside, out of a pocket or from, from, from a similar color cloth, and you cut the, the patch in a perfect square and you sew it in a perfect square which is in line with the grain of the, the clothing item, most people will never realize that you have a patch. And this is actually the adab of many of the mashayikh of the tariqah is that they would instruct the, their disciples that when they sew the patches into their clothes, to do so in a, 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 a refined way that doesn't make a person uh, uh, look like a beggar. Um, and I believe it's a quote uh, attributed to uh, Shah Abdul Hassan Shadri rahimahullah tabarak wa ta'ala that, uh, uh, that, that, what? That, that someone once came to him because he used to wear nice clothes. And uh, someone who was a faqir, who was, who was, who, who was a darvish, a person who uh, claimed the spiritual path, and he was dressed in very tattered clothing. Um, he came to, to, to Abdul Hassan al-Shadli and said something to the effect of chastising him for, for wearing nice clothes. Uh, you know, and trying to say like, you know, what are you, you know, what, how, what kind of like a dervish are you that you're and faqir toward the path of Allah Ta'ala are you that you have these uh, uh, nice clothes. And uh, Abu Hassan Shadli replied to him, he said what? He says, my clothing say, my clothing if they could speak, my clothing if it could speak it would say, uh, Alhamdulillah and give shukr to Allah Ta'ala for his blessings. Your clothing if it could speak it would say, can you give me a dollar? Can you give me some money? Uh, it, it would be begging uh, other people for money. So that's fine. You don't have to make yourself look like a beggar. But there are ways to do both that you can follow the sunnah and not waste your clothing or throw them away uh, and sew the patch in it in a way that is almost un, uh, um, undetectable by other people. And it's something that, you know, recycling and all this other stuff, you know, people who don't believe in Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say, oh, you know, re- you know reduce, recycle, reuse because you have to save the earth. Allah created the earth from nothing. And there's no way human beings will be able to destroy it. Even if we nuke each other uh, into smithereens, the earth will be fine again. It will take some years, but it will be just fine without us afterward. Uh, this is not because of the earth. This is because one day we have to face Allah Ta'ala and He'll ask us about what, what we did with what He gave us, every single thing, big or small. Once along the river banks, uh, Khaja Ibrahim bin Adham was sewing his tattered shawl. If nothing else, the fact that these people did it, the fact that Sayyidina Umar did it, the fact that the Prophet ﷺ did it, the fact that people like uh, 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 Khaja Ibrahim bin Adham did it, Wallahi, I don't know about you, but to me it just makes it look good. He was sewing his tattered shawl when some royal courtiers appeared and appealed to him to come back to rule. They were saddened by his forlorn and tattered state and wondered what he had gained by having sacrificed the throne of Balkh. Hazrat Ibrahim threw his needle into the river and said, you are ministers of a country and you are rulers. Go retrieve my needle. When they were obviously unable to do so, he addressed a fish of the river and commanded them to bring him his needle. Innumerable fish simultaneously appeared on the surface of the water, each with a needle of gold in its mouth. 
none of the fish had his original needle. He commanded that his original needle be retrieved. A tiny fish surfaced with the needle in its mouth. Khaja Ibrahim took the needle and said, My kingdom now extends over the entire world. What can I do with your insignificant kingdom? Allah Ta'ala forgive us. In our stupidity we've been obsessed with and happy with petty things. When he prepared for us at the hands of his Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam such a kingdom that extends over the entire world, rather it extends over this universe and the next one. Once while sitting on Jabal Abu Qubais, there's a mountain Makkah Mukarramah with a companion, he said that there are some servants of Allah whose command causes a mountain to move. As he said, the mountain shook. Khaja Ibrahim commanded, be stationary. I was narrating an episode, not issuing an, issuing an instruction, and the mountain ceased to move. Once he asked a buzurg, an elder, who was a master of miracles, what profession have you adopted for your livelihood? The elder said, I eat whatever comes my way. If there's nothing, I adopt patience. Khaja Ibrahim said to him, so this is a man of spiritual stature as well. Khaja Ibrahim said to him, this is what the city dogs do. The proper attitude is sacrifice what you obtain and then to adopt patience. That what that you impose your you impose your struggle and your mujahadat on yourself voluntarily, and you accept the patience with it as well, rather than only having patience when you absolutely have to. Once someone asked Khaja Ibrahim, "Whose worshipper are you?" On hearing this, he shuddered and fell down unconscious. When he regained consciousness, he recited the ayat. إِنْ كُلُّ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ لَآتِ الرَّحْمَانِ Indeed, everything in the heavens and the earth will come to the most merciful as a slave. When the man asked why he did not answer in the beginning, Khaja Ibrahim said, If I said that I am Allah's slave, I fear because of my inability to fulfill the rights of serving Him. I feared because of my inability to fulfill the rights of serving Him. How can I then claim to be His slave? If I say that I'm not his slave, I then fear uh, that I would be cast into disbelief by saying that. And this is what this is the uh, this is the humility of our elders. That this is a person of wilaya, this is a person of Allah's friendship, and even these small things they're sensitive because they knew, know Allah is watching them. So their own mistakes, even though they may be insignificant in the eyes of the people, they're huge in their own eyes. And they have shame in front of Allah Ta'ala because they know Allah sees and hears everything they do and they say. So they have some haya in front of Allah Ta'ala in making claims. And nowadays, mashallah, we introduce ourselves and we put on business cards, I'm the chairman of this committee or that committee and I'm this and I'm that and I'm the other thing. People ask me, should I write on your poster, Molana or Sheikh or uh, Ustad or this or that? I tell them, I, I myself feel embarrassed even to call myself Hamza. Allah Ta'ala forgive us, Allah Ta'ala forgive us, Allah Ta'ala forgive us. For many years he lived in the wilderness and for nine years he lived in a cave of Nishapur, uh, engaging himself in rigorous spiritual training. 
He ate always from his own earnings. Sometimes he sold firewood and sometimes he would work as a gardener in someone's orchard. Once a uh, uh, police uh, uh, officer approached him while he was employed in an orchard demanding a fruit. Khaja Ibrahim refused. The policeman struck him with a lash on the head. Khaja Ibrahim lowered his head and said, The head which has disobeyed Allah Ta'ala deserves to be thrashed. Allah Ta'ala protect us. We bear witness that his head deserves to be kissed. The thing that makes me afraid is that our heads that disobeyed Allah Ta'ala indeed deserve to be thrashed. Hearing this expression, the policeman apologized. Khaja Ibrahim said, The head for which apologies would be offered has been left in Balkh. Meaning even that he wouldn't, he wouldn't give him his own nafs that much. He was so hard on himself, he wouldn't even give his own nafs that much that he would accept the apology because he felt himself unworthy of it. Once at the time of tawaf, while giving nasiha to a man, he said, You know, these things, I, I find them more amazing than the miracles and stuff like that. If fish are going to come out of the you know, river with needles of gold and stuff, that's great. I mean, who knows if those things happened or not. I believe that they happened, but you know, if someone doesn't believe in it, I don't really think it's that big of a deal. You know, as an aqidah point, uh, a person believes that the karamat of the awliya are true, whether the specific incident happened or didn't, Allah knows best, and it doesn't really affect your, your deen all that much. But uh, these things, uh, these things, how a person has sabr and how a person shows what's inside of their heart when tested and tried by other people, uh, these things are, 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 wallahu alam, you know, faqir type person like myself, I, I find these things to be uh, truly miraculous. Khaja Fudail, once at the time of tawaf or giving uh, a nasiha or sincere advice to a man, he said, Sorry, Khaja Ibrahim. Until five valleys have not been traversed, the rank of the righteous cannot be attained. First, close the door of ni'mah, of the soft and good-feeling gifts, and open the door, soft and good-feeling gifts from Allah. Close that door and open the door of hardship. Second, close the door of respect and open the door of disgrace. Someone will say, what, 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 what is that supposed to mean? You've walked the path of righteousness and say the truth to people... And they will try to humiliate you like they tried to do the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And if he's not exempted from this, then who are you and I to uh, uh, believe that somehow we're uh, uh, some sort of ballerina swan who's going to ice skate through life like a special snowflake. Third, close the door of comfort and open the door of difficulty. Fourth, close the door of sleep and open the door of wakefulness. Fifth, close the door of wealth and open the door of poverty. May Allah ta'ala protect us and not test us more than we're able to bear and give us help in every test that He gives us so that we can pass rather than failing abysmally and falling on our faces and losing our iman in the process. Some people came and complained that a lion was blocking the road. Khaja Ibrahim went to the lion and said, O Abu Harith, if you have been commanded by Allah, then act accordingly, otherwise clear the way. The lion went away. Once after the Isha prayer, the Imam ordered Khaja Ibrahim out of the masjid as he wanted to close up. 
Since it was extremely cold outside, Khaja Ibrahim requested permission to spend the night inside the masjid. However, the imam refused permission, saying that travelers steal the masjid items. By the way, mashallah, this is a, an experience that anyone who's a serious student of knowledge probably had in several different masajid in different countries of the world. Uh, this is not something that's, uh, that's, that's uh, you know, that the ummah has stopped doing at any time uh, since then. Uh, he says the imam refused permission, saying that the travelers steal the masjid items. When Khaja Ibrahim insisted, the imam said, even if Ibrahim bin Adham comes, he too will not be allowed to sleep in the masjid. When Khaja Ibrahim said, I am Ibrahim bin Adham, the imam became furious, accusing him of speaking lies. The imam dragged him and pushed him out of the masjid. Khaja Ibrahim then went to the hammam. Hammam is the public bathhouse. They still have them. They're not as... Uh, uh, interesting or at times lurid as uh, the western imagination seems to them. It's just a place where you can go and take a shower and change your clothes uh, and you know whatever, uh, groom yourself. Um, there was a hammam in the village by my uh, madrasa. Sometimes I would go there to take a shower when the lines were too long in the madrasa. So he said a man was lighting a lantern at the hammam. Uh, Khaja Ibrahim greeted the man but he didn't reply. The man was so engrossed in his work and was glancing fearfully in all directions. After having done his work, he replied to the salam. When Khaja Ibrahim asked for the reason of delay in answering, he said, I'm working for someone. I thought that I will be abusing his trust if I had become involved in replying to you as his work would be delayed. Khaja Ibrahim asked about his glancing this way and that. He said, I fear the angel of death may come. After a short discussion, he said, For the past 20 years I'm making dua, O oh Allah, do not let me die before meeting Ibrahim bin Adham. This wish has not been yet fulfilled. Khaja Ibrahim then revealed himself saying, I have been sent to you rolling on my head. This was a reference to the imam having pushed him out violently from the masjid. The man sighed with relief and said, Alhamdulillah, my wish has been granted. He embraced Khaja Ibrahim and said, Now I have no more wishes. O oh Allah, grant me union with you. Allah Most High accepted his wish and the man died. These stories are really strange, subhanAllah. One of the things that, that a person should appreciate is the fact that um, they only take place for a person who is out of their home and traveling in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, I guess you don't get these experiences when you take the course online or listen to uh, you know stories of the Khanqa and SoundCloud. But uh, you know, uh, I guess we take what we can get. Allah ta'ala, the one He gives tawfiq, that person will do much more than the one who doesn't have tawfiq. People asked, why does Allah not accept our dua? Khaja Ibrahim responded, you know Allah, but you don't worship Him. You know His Rasul in the Qur'an, but you do not obey. You eat from His bounties, but you are not grateful. You do not make preparations to acquire Jannah, nor abstain from those acts that will take you to the hellfire. You know shaitan is your enemy, but you do not hate him. You know death will be coming, but you are not concerned. You bury your parents in their graves, but derive no lesson therefrom. You know that you have defects, yet you search for the faults of others. How else? How how will then your du'as be accepted? He said, Rahimahullah, the people of the world pursue peace and comfort on earth, but fail to find these. If they knew the kingdom that we have, they would have fought us with swords to acquire it. Once someone presented 10,000 silver dirhams to Khaja Ibrahim. Refusing it, he said, Do you wish me to accept this money? and have my name struck off the role of the poor with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, never shall I do so. 
Once Khaja Ibrahim saw an intoxicated man lying unconscious in the road. His mouth was frothing. Khaja Ibrahim washed his mouth and tongue and commented, This tongue should engage in the dhikr of Allah. Alas, what a calamity has befallen it. When the man came to his senses, people told him what had happened. He was greatly ashamed of himself and repented and promised never to again consume liquor. After this incident, Khaja Ibrahim heard in a dream someone saying, You have purified his tongue for my sake. So I have purified your heart. So I have purified his heart for your sake. It's sufficient for us to have a lesson to be humble, to know that there's nobody who has any rank with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except for it's from His fadl and His grace and His blessings. We don't know which of our elders or which of the mashayikh or the ulama or sahaba radiallahu anhum or the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam whose du'as because of which we've entered into la ilaha illallah Muhammad rasulullah and the honor of His obedience as little or slight as it may be. Should leave a person feeling all the more indebted to Allah Ta'ala. He said, You have purified his tongue for my sake. I have purified his heart for your sake. Someone wanted to know at what time people should come uh, to Khaja Ibrahim and hear his talks. He said, I am engrossed in four activities. When I have completed them, you may come. In eternity, when Allah Ta'ala took a pledge from all of us, He divided mankind into two groups, one for paradise and one for the hellfire. At all times, I'm occupied with this worry because I do not know which group I belong to. Two, when the baby is formed in his mother's womb, an angel asks Allah Ta'ala, should I write him as one of the fortunate or one of the unfortunate? My constant worry is that I've been recorded uh, amongst the unfortunate and not the fortunate. Three, when the angel takes possession of a man's spirit, he asks, should I assign this soul to the group of the Muslim souls or the group of the Kafir souls? I do not know what answer the angel will be receiving regarding my spirit, and this is my constant fear. Four, it will be commanded on the day of judgment, become separated, O pious ones, today from the transgressors. I constantly worry in this regard because I do not know which group I will be assigned in. He said, the heaviest deal, deed in the scale on the Day of Judgment will be the deed which was most difficult on earth. For those of us who are looking for the easy way out. The blessed and Mubarak people of Allah Ta'ala's wilayah are the ones that know that the, 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 the weightiest scale is the one that's most difficult. And in fact, in that sense, the most difficult one is the most easy. Because this dunya in this world is perishing and the next one is forever and ever. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq and give us power and give us, give us courage and himma to face those deeds that, that, that make men shudder. Once a man stayed for some time in the company of Khaja Ibrahim. When the man was about to depart, he said, If there's any fault in me, tell me. Khaja Ibrahim said, I do not see any fault in you because I had always viewed you with love. You should therefore put the question to someone else. Allah Ta'ala fill our hearts with love. An alim once requested him some advice. Khaja Ibrahim said, stay like a tail, don't be like a head. The head is cut off, but the tail is left. This is again a, a, a nasiha with regards to the love of leadership amongst other things. A man complained of inability to rise for tahajjud. 
to wake up in the night and pray. Khaja Ibrahim said, Do not disobey Allah Ta'ala during the day. To stand in the presence of Allah at night is a great honor. A disobedient man does not qualify for this honor. And this is again a, a, a theme that's repeated again and again uh, with a great number of the Sufiya that, uh, uh, and a great number of the Ahlullah from the Ummah of the Prophet wasallam that the person who sins in the day, Allah Ta'ala will not allow them to wake up for tahajjud. Uh, and one of the ways of, of being vouchsafed this this greatest vehicle of Allah's wilaya after the five pillars and the, the fara'id and obligations Allah Ta'ala has made incumbent upon every slave is this, tahajjud. And there's nobody who reached that high maqam except for through it. It's only going to be uh, through what? Through the ab- 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 abstention of Allah Ta'ala's uh, uh, sacred law being violated. May Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq. May Allah Ta'ala change our condition for the better and give us tawfiq. Ibrahim bin Adham's passing from this world. There are different views regarding the year of his death. According to Hafiz bin Hajar, uh, Ibn Hajar Asqalani, the authoritative and canonical commentator on Sahih Bukhari. So it's interesting, by the way, Hafiz Ibn Hajar, why is he talking about this person? Because these people are the heroes of the Ummah. The ulama, muhaddithun, fuqaha, all of them, they agreed. This is not some sort of obscure cult of Sufism or whatever that we're talking about. These people were the heroes and remain the heroes of the ummah, uh, no matter how uh, blind to this fact some people from our contemporaries may, may be. Hafiz bin Hajar, uh, according to him, Khaja Ibrahim passed away in the year 162 after Hijra, according to Sam'ani in 161. From this it appears that he died in Sham, uh, 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 25 or 26 years before his sheikh uh, uh, Khaja Fudail bin Iyad he was uh, at the time of death 102 years of age on the occasion of his passing from this world a voice was heard exclaiming Al-Ana Imam Al-Ardi Qadmat now, the, the, now the leader of the people of the world has died his grave is said to be in Sham although some say it's in Medina Munawwara uh, it's famous that it's in Sham uh, and Allah Ta'ala knows best Hazrat uh, Sheikh uh, uh, Ibrahim bin Adham had two uh, well-known uh, khulafa, Khaja Shaqiq al-Balkhi and Khaja uh, Hudayfa al-Ma'rashi. Uh, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on them all and write for us in this Mubarak night of Ramadan that we be freed from the fire because of the love of his awliya and give us the imdad and the help that we need in order to get through this world with those deeds.